Hello and welcome to another episode of the OYMB podcast. My name is Ruri Fairbairns and I'm the CEO and founder of OYMB and the creator of the Complete Control Program, which is, I don't know, next to my kids, one of the things I'm most proud of creating is Complete Control. It is a truly incredible program and I know it's not for everyone and we are doing lots and lots of work on that to work with corporates and health insurers and to try and bring costs down and make it more affordable and also to do the work to develop lower cost programs that can also help people in a significant way. But with every fiber of my being, with every inch of my soul and heart, I know that this program is doing incredible good in the world. And I know there's a lot of misunderstanding around there about it. I know there's lots of people who think we're selling ice to Eskimos, all of these negative things, and none of that is true. We just follow the science. We know what drives compulsive behavior. In science today, we know these things. So why not start there? Why not start with the things that we know drive the desire to drink and coach people through making those changes? And then, you know, if they get to the end of that, they get all the way through that and they discover that they still have a significantly problematic relationship with alcohol, well, then maybe they need to go to a thing and describe themselves of a, as a alcoholic or whatever those words are and tell people that they're powerless. But let's start with the things that we know that can be significantly impactful and preventable in people's lives. I say this often to people, you know, we live in a world where millions of people all over the world who are regularly consuming what is one of the world's most powerful depressants, right, which has proven to be 100% successful at being a depressant. That's what it is. And yet they go to their doctor and they say, I'm anxious and I'm depressed. And that doctor will prescribe them antidepressants. One in three people is taking antidepressants. Now, they are somebody who is regularly consuming a depressant, which is 100% successful, and yet the doctor is prescribing them an antidepressant, which if you look at some studies, no real antidepressant has beaten a placebo. That's less than 3% success rate. This is the world we live in, guys. Now, if we just follow the doctor and we listen to that advice, then yeah, then maybe taking a pill is where we're going to put ourselves. And if you live in America, you have to take a pill for the pill for the pill for the pill for the pill. And the pill, we just require to the pill. It's insane. Why don't we start with the things that we know can help people? The holistic things, the things that are within our own power. Why don't we teach people the tools that they need to change their own lives? This is what I'm all about. So I don't think there's any bad in that anywhere. I don't think for anyone on any scale of drinking is not going to see improvements in their life by taking these steps, positive steps, to make changes in their life that drive compulsive behavior. How can that be a bad thing? But anyway, today what I wanted to do is take you through a bit of the conversation, a bit of the journey that I talk to people about often on these calls, which I love, by the way. And if you do want to call with me, then just reach out. I'd love to speak to you. So normally when I have this conversation with people, I start off by helping them understand one major thing. Remember that our brain is constantly putting things that we repeatedly do, things that we repeatedly say onto autopilot. So if you say, I'm a freaking loser to yourself all the time, then guess what? You create more of that. And we've seen that with many studies with luck. People who believe they're lucky, you're right. People who believe they're unlucky, you're right. So which would you rather believe? And which would you rather tell yourself? There's another great phrase, which is, we are what we repeatedly do. So we have to think about that with the way we're aiming our brain and everything else. So in society, ever since we were tiny, we've been listening to and watching and acknowledging the fact that the negative impact of alcohol is normalized and belittled, okay? So the hangover is marginalized. Oh, it's just a hangover. Oh, you just feel low. Oh, we all feel anxious. Oh, you know, or you sometimes say, oh my God, you were so much fun last night when you fell off that table and nearly, you know, shattered yourself with glass or whatever it was. Ha 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 ha, so much fun. So we've been around those those beliefs and those conversations all the time, which means that in our subconscious, our brain has created neural pathways around it. So the normalization 
of the impact of your drinking is in your brain. So what that means is, when you think about changing your relationship with alcohol, your subconscious is working against you, but it's okay. Well, it's not that bad. You actually quite enjoy drinking, right? You know this goes on. You know this is the truth. So when I bring people onto a call with me, I say, this is a safe place that you can talk to me and it's going to help you the most. So what we're going to do right now is I'm just going to ask you a bunch of questions about your life so that you can get truthful and honest about the pain. Not from a societal perspective, not from talking about somebody who's judging. There's no judgment here. Just so that you can find change for yourself. Does that sound fair? Great. Well, then let me ask you some questions while you're listening to this podcast or while you're watching it. So let's start with this. You know, how much are you drinking? What does, what does a, heavy, a heavy period of drinking look like for you? Think about that for a second. Okay. Now, what impact is that having on you? What impact is that having on your life? I can see you're thinking about that. And here is where people get to the surface. They say, well, you know, I feel a bit tired or, um, and they're really at the first layer of awareness. Um, and so normally I'll say some things like, okay, and what about your health? Like, do you, do you think about that? Do you worry about your health at all? Um, is there, is there any scares or anything you've had go on in there? Again, we can start doing some surface or maybe something bigger comes up for people. You know, well, I've got high blood pressure or, oh yeah, I'm put on a bit more weight than I thought I, I should have at this time in my life. That's pretty common for people. Um, okay. And what about your mental health? You know, how's that truly? How do you feel? Um, and almost everyone here who's regularly drinking alcohol will say, you know, I drink, I feel more anxious. I feel a bit low. Um, and then they talk about this, this cognitive load or ruminating is a common word that people say. Um, you know, this constantly thinking about it. And depending on where they are with their drinking, some people will just say, you know, I'm, I look forward to the weekend or I look forward to the end of the day to take the edge off. Or, you know, I might grab, grab a glass of wine and just do half of it. And then I put the kids to bed and then I'm looking forward to getting back down to having the rest of the drink. So there's this, this thinking about drinking. Um, and some people will talk about, you know, the brain being very busy and I just can't quite switch it off. You know, it's the end of the day and I, it, it just helps me transform, if you like, between the person I needed to be to perform at work and then the person I can be at home, which is then relaxing. And then inside that there, I'll say, okay. And so this, this thinking, this, this thing, you know, you know, how much is that consuming of you? you know, would you say it takes a lot of your time, a lot of thought? Um, and for some people inside that ruminating, there can be problems. So problems with the relationship or problems with the business or problems with life, problems with health. You know, there's problems that enter into that rumination. And again, that's, that thought is often driven by the drinking. So we kind of talk around that for a little bit about those various impacts it's having in their life. Next, you know, if I was to invite your partner onto this call, and this can be quite a challenging one, and you know, you weren't here and I was just talking one-to-one -one with them. And I said, you know, what impact is their drinking having on you and your relationship? Um, and this can be a slightly challenging one for people. You know, they'll either be in the denial phase because we haven't yet built that trust where they feel like they can be truly honest with me. And again, that is most of our drinking. We're always trying to defend. We're trying to avoid the shame, avoid the guilt, so we don't be truthful. And I try to gently pull that forward from them because it will serve them. The truth will serve them. The, the ambivalence, the ignorance to it is what keeps them stuck. Um, it keeps you stuck. You belittling the truth keeps you stuck. If you like, you can grab a pen and paper if you have time, as long as you're not driving, um, when you're watching or listening to this, and maybe write down some of these as headlines. Um, this will serve you. I'm going to take you through a process now, which is going to help you make change. Um, it really, it's built around two things. You know, we change the most when we have enough pain or enough pleasure. And if we can create both of those and then understand the gap in between, 
we will create change for ourselves. And a lot of people, I would say maybe 30 to 50% of the people who I speak to on calls, they will be waiting, they've been waiting for that moment where they are forced to change, where the partner says, look, you are mad of here, or where they get a DUI or drink driving problem, or some kind of doctor says, health concern, you've got to stop drinking. We don't have to wait for that. We don't have to wait for rock bottom. We can create psychological rock bottom for ourselves and that will help us change. And we're kind of going to do that on this podcast together. Okay, so now we've kind of talked about relationships and, oh, yes, so I bring the partner on. They'll say, well, you know, they're supportive of me, um, but they would like me to stop drinking. You know, what? why? Why would they like you to stop drinking? What is it about the drinking that you think affects them? Um, and they'll say, well, you know, he's, he's, he's tired or he's quite snappy. He can be a bit more short-tempered. He's not very present or she is not very present um, when she's there. Or, um, you know, I'm worried about her health or I'm worried about the future together. Or they argue more after drinking. All of these things. So now they're kind of getting them into the shoe of the impact it's having on the people around them. And this is important. And next, I'll sort of say, um, you know, do you have kids? Um, yes, no, you know, what, depending on what age they are, you know, what would they say if I took them onto the call? What would they say? And then there's very varying ranges here. You know, if they're older, then they'll say, well, I wish dad didn't drink so much. Or, I wish mum didn't drink so much or, or they don't know or they're blissfully unaware. But this can be quite a powerful tool to put yourself in the shoe of the other individual and try to be really truthful. You know, not comparing you versus the world. Who wants to compare yourself to the world? Fuck that. Have you seen how messed up the world is? We're not talking about you versus the world. You're amazing, right? You're, you're, you've done great things in the world and you can do so much more. So it's not about you versus the world because average is just rubbish. Sorry, it's a terrible, terrible baseline to base yourself off. The question is, is you versus you, right? It's you versus you when you're not drinking, you when you're crushing it, you when you're smashing it out the park in all areas of your life. Like you versus the best version of you you've been in your life. Now, where are you on that at the moment? Where are you as that as an example? And then looking at the areas of your life in how you could be in your belief. Of course, most of us are pretty hard on ourselves. Most of us are pretty negative on ourselves. So I imagine that gap is quite big. And interestingly enough, for many, many people, they're nowhere near as far away from that best version of themselves than they think. And that's another interesting thing we're going to touch back on in a second. Okay, next, I want to kind of bring them to the table to look at the impact it's having on how their life is going. So I'm going to say this thing to you right now, which is, okay, so when you've had a heavy drinking week, uh, or when you've had a, a particular heavy drinking period, when you're showing up to work, what percentage do you think you're showing up? Um, and, you know, this obviously ranges. Some people say 80%. Some people are a bit more hard on themselves saying 30%. But they'll always say them versus the best version of themselves, they're showing up considerably worse. And what does that look like for some people? Well, I have business owners who say, you know, I avoid Mondays. So Mondays so often I avoid putting the meetings in the diary I'm just getting through the day. I'm just holding on to it. You know, I get other people to take over some of the decisions and I kind of hide. I hide. And then you can have more extreme level where people might be even hiding some of their drinking during the day or, or later on. Um, and then also you've just got the people who feel like, you know, they can, they can be attending a bit more. They don't necessarily drink that much, but it turns into a bit of binge at the weekend. So there's tired, sluggishness, anxious, low... Um, not quite the clarity, not focused, not driven um, on a Monday. Gosh, I mean, building a business is tough, really tough. Uh, it takes everything of you, 150% every day. So, you know, if you've built businesses and been regularly drinking, imagine what you can achieve. Imagine what you can do without what is a great big anchor you've been dragging along the whole time. I said anchor, uh, dragging along the whole time. So looking at that business element and saying, what is the cost of this? Like if you look at those areas of your life, what is the cost 
of this to you. You know, you mentioned that there's some issues in the relationship and you mentioned about your health, like this could cost you your health. And you mentioned about your, your, your mental health being poor, you know, anxious, depressed, like uh, that rumination taking up, it's taking up lots of percentage of your brain. So what is the cost of this? Um, and this helps them really anchor into where they are at the moment. Next, I want you to think forward, okay? Imagine for a second that this problem continues to get worse. Now, I know you're thinking, you're really thinking about making a difference this year. But imagine, let's say, you, you join a different program, it doesn't work for you, you bounce off the walls a few times, you try white-knuckling it some more, but ultimately, over the time, your relationship with alcohol continues to get worse. What's, what's the outcome? What impact does that have on your life? And when you look at that, you know, what, what impact does that have on your relationship? What impact does that have on your mental health? Where, where does this go on your health if you paint that forward, if it continues to get worse? Are you okay with that? Does that concern you? Again, like if you carry on performing it that way at work, what impact does that have at work? You know, if it continues to get worse. And the reason why we're painting this is we're creating this psychological pain. We're creating this, this element, this, this momentum here for somebody to make change in their life. Now that we've seen the dark side, let's flip to the bright side. What do you want your, if you could wave a magic wand, what do you want your relationship with alcohol to look like? Now, for most people, pretty much everyone I speak to, they will say, it would be nice to go and have one glass. It would be nice to go and have a beer. Some people say, I'm done with it, I'm done with it, I'm done with it, and that's amazing, great, wonderful. You're always going to be in the best place, mentally, physically, longevity. But for the vast majority of people, they don't know how, they don't even know how they could get there, they don't even think it's possible, but they would like to be able to be in that place. Um, Okay. So if you achieved that, if you got it to a place where you could take it or leave it, the vast majority of the time you don't, you don't take a drink. Uh, this thing is really simple, right? If you are regularly consuming alcohol each week, it is causing significant negative impacts on your physical and mental health. End of story. So I'm, I'm not into moderate. I'm not into controlling it weekly. Forget all that. It's something that you occasionally do, rarely do, right? because you know of the negative impacts it has on your life. So that's where we want to get people to. And I believe for many people, even the majority, that that is possible. And we keep showing it, so that's wonderful. Okay, so once we've got that vision there of where you want to be, now what impact is that having on your life? Let's keep going forward. How is your relationship now? What does that look like? What does that feel like thinking about being in that place where you mostly don't, right? What, is that, what does that look like on your mental health? Like all of that rumination gone, all of that anxiety, all of that depression, all of those negative things, like that clear-minded clarity, energy, purpose. How does that feel? What does that, what's that doing for your life? And what would that do for your health? You know, now you're probably exercising and eating right and looking after yourself and you're more determined. You're waking up in the day feeling full of energy and vitality. What does that feel like? Feel into that. Feel into that vision. Now, what about your business? Because we don't just create 100% in businesses. No, that is average. We, when you help get clarity and meaning and purpose and connected back into your business and, and your career, when you're very driven again, you do more than 100%. People really go at it. So imagine that you're sitting at that 30% or 50% now what difference would that make for you in your business, in your career, if you were going 120% over the next year or two years or three years? And what does that feel like? What outcome is that having in your life? Like, think about that for a minute. Feel it. I want you to feel for that outcome. This is powerful stuff. Our goals, when we attach them with vision to emotion, that is where the root drive is. That's where we are fully aligned and going forward. It's so powerful. It creates momentum. It creates change. It builds neural pathways. Like this is where we create massive change in our life. So get clear on that vision of where you want to be. And then let me ask, you know, really, looking at that difference in life, let's just 
pause for a second and reflect on where you are right now, but more importantly, where this goes if you don't get on top of it. I feel that feeling. You know, that's a shitty freaking place, right? It's just, it's shit. And a lot of it's happening on autopilot. And more importantly, if you've been trying other things and you've tried and tried and not got there, like, this is not good. It's, it's, it builds even more going in the wrong direction. That's why we need to take massive action because this vision, the vision of where you want to go, how great did that feel? It feels amazing, right? It feels empowering. It feels strong. It feels true. It feels like you. And I say this to people all the time. Trying to create different versions of people is really difficult. It's, it's incredibly challenging because they revert back. Trying to open people back to the true version of themselves, that is easy. Because it's at their core, at their belief, at their morals, at their very fabric. That is where we want to get people to. So, my next question to hear, and this is a challenging one for you. I want you to think about this one for a second. Why is this important for you to do now? Why now? Why is this important for you to do now? Now, most people, when they answer this question, they'll say, I've tried other things. It's getting worse. I need to do something. Um, it's important for me to make a change. I'm not living how I want to live. I'm not feeling how I want to live. My relationship isn't where I want it to be. My business isn't where I want it to be. I'm just not enjoying life. I've only got one life and I really want to live it. I want to discover the best version of myself. I know I can be better. I know I can do better. I want to feel congruent. I want to lead by example. I want to do amazing things in the world and I feel like alcohol is holding me back. These are the things people say. And I'm like, yeah, tick. Yep, tick. Yeah, yes. So if you resonate with those, if, you, if those things are what you are saying, then yeah, let me tell you about complete control and why I think it can help you not just change your relationship with alcohol because that's just, again, the outcome. But make some significant changes in your life so that alcohol becomes irrelevant. Does that sound good to you? I know you've seen some of this stuff, but to just remind you, when I first took a break from alcohol, I did a year. It was amazing. I changed so many things. I got fitter, faster, healthier, happier, better dad, better husband, grew my business, everything improved. And then I went to go out for a drink. And it wasn't just one drink. It was many. I decided to meet some friends at the rugby. And I got to that queue five people deep, and I thought, I may as well get two. And the evening carried on like that. And the following day, I was throwing up in the toilet with my daughter beside me crying and my wife storming out the house. This is when I realized something fundamental. Abstinence does not equal control. So I kind of went on a journey to understand what is control? Like, is it possible? And I started to delve into the science around compulsive behavior. What drives compulsive behavior? Now, I invested hundreds of thousands of pounds into coaching, uh, psychotherapy, psychodynamic therapy, I've done work at the German Neuroscience Hospital. I've studied the science. I've done tons of technology and all sorts of things like that. And what I looked at or saw was that we know, we've known for a long time the things that drive compulsive behavior. So why don't we start there? Let's start with people with saying, hey, there are things that significantly drive compulsive behavior. Let's help you analyze where you are with those using data, technology, evidence, clarity, and then let's coach you to make those changes in your life so that you don't have so much compulsion. And then let's see where your relationship with alcohol is after it. Now, it turns out with over 300 people through the program that most of those people either go to a place where they completely leave it because they're done and they've had enough, or they have a take it or leave it relationship with alcohol. In fact, early results are saying that 78% of people have chosen to remain alcohol free and 22% are in a place of take it or leave it which is amazing. It's phenomenal. But those are early results and we're looking forward to publishing in scientific studies the evidence that we are gathering. So what are those core drivers? Number one, the driver for the vast majority of us, the thing that is creating compulsion and we don't even realize it, is our past experiences as a child. Now normally, we all have things that can happen later in our lives that drive these feelings. But when we're between zero and seven years old, our prefrontal cortex has not yet switched on. And that's the melon just behind our forehead. Now, that area of the brain is used for rational decision-making. Okay, so today, when somebody says, you're an idiot, 
you're like, oh, that's somebody who hasn't slept well. That's the prefrontal cortex rationalizing. But as a child, when somebody shouts at you, when somebody spanks you, when somebody leaves you alone to cry it out, when you are denied love from a parent, when you're bullied, all of those things, they are significantly impactful because we cannot rationalize them. You know, being left in a room for a little while is being left alone forever. And this is why boredom, which makes us feel lonely, drives those huge emotions of the past. And this is a, such a common one for people where they either have boredom or when they travel, they feel alone. And of course, they want to have a drink to numb those old feelings. But often it doesn't come up as feelings. You're not feeling about the loneliness as a child. You have the thought. It's just ruminating, loud, noisy thoughts. I've got to switch this off. And then I go. And do you know why that is? Because we've been taught our whole lives to pack down our emotions. They're there, pack them down, move on, be strong. Go on, don't drive out those tears, don't cry. And so we get so good at packing down and ignoring those emotions that they just come up as thought, an aggressive thought, and unable to control those thoughts. On our program, we use some really cool tools like somatic experiencing, which if you look at the work by Besser van der Kolk, one of the world leaders in trauma and understanding that, is that the body keeps the score. These emotions of our past are trapped inside our body. Until we learn how to let go of those emotions and process them, they will continue to eat us up. Now, Gabor Mate, he thinks that the vast majority of our neurodivergence, ADD, ADHD, bipolar, OCD, if you've ever identified with any of those things, those are coping mechanisms of a traumatized child. And so many people who come onto the program or even a conversation with me go, well, I, I don't have trauma. Hang on a minute. Let me just tell you, we all have. Because childhood is traumatic for everyone. It's a very traumatic experience in going through, especially in the society we live in. So we must do the work to release the emotions we feel back there. Otherwise, they're going to continue to cause mental illness, physical illness. I mean, again, Gabor Mate thinks that a large proportion of autoimmune disease comes from unprocessed childhood trauma. How many of our diseases, cancers, things like that, are in part created by these past traumas? So this is why doing this work specifically is so life-changing. One of the leadership at MGM Studios said to me, Ruri, this has changed who I am. Those are some big words. So don't be afraid of this. Uh, thanks to me spending 30 years in talk therapy, we don't use a lot of that stuff. The somatic experiencing is actually so much easier to describe an emotion and let go rather than talk about the past for hours and hours and hours and hours and our end. But trust me, this work is the work that will transform your life the most. Let's pause just for a brief moment. I just want to share with you some of the heartfelt feedback from our incredible Complete Control community members. Listen to this. I, I don't know how I signed up. I think I just got an ad on Instagram and just got a whim, just hit the button and did a call and then signed up and didn't really consciously think much about it. And then after that, I was like, what did I just sign up for? Wait a second here. Like far exceeded my expectations. I'm usually extremely skeptical. So I don't know how I even signed up in the first place, but whatever it was. Um, so it's just amazing how like the transformation that I've seen and even the drinking part is just kind of the super, it, it was the Achilles heel, but it's kind of just the superficial problem. And it's like, once I kind of clear that up, there's so much more possibility and, and, you know, the exploration discussions with Gary, with Candace have just been so powerful and kind of, they both kind of focus on a different area. And then with Glenn kind of looking at my data and with my co cohorts or classmates or, you know, it's just been just, everything has just been so powerful and kind of supportive of, you know, completing the whole picture of how I do this. Um, so just really grateful and, and, uh, yeah. And, and, and also just feel more grateful and not only just for all of you, but just, just in life in general, it's just a little bit more clarity and peace and calm and, and, and so forth. So I am incredibly grateful for this entire program, everybody on this call and everything that we were able to experience. Um, I think that it delivered more than I expected. Honestly, I, I, like I've said before, I've done a couple of like challenges and different things. And I think that this beyond, um, 
examining my relationship with alcohol and making, I think, pretty good strides in in um, staying alcohol free. Um, I think it taught me a ton about myself and how to like examine my habits and my thoughts and those kind of um, patterns and ways to ways to approach the things that worried me the most in this in this experience. Um, have just been invaluable. I think I'm leaving feeling um, in stronger in general, more self-aware in general, and um, just really more anchored in who I want to be and what my values are and how I can you know take better steps to achieve those. So it's been fantastic for me. And then again, the our team, I, I really um, appreciate all the feedback and support from every single person on this call, but my cohort as well. It's been great. So I love everybody that I've met here. I have loved the program. I am not uh, an emotional person like this, but this has changed my life. It, it, it has given me a life. Um, and there's other things I need to do too, um, but I don't have to do clock call anymore. So thank you. It's been an amazing journey and a very, I appreciate the professionalism Whenever I feel the stress, I, there's there's something that I can go back to to everybody, and the sharing from everybody and the professionalism of the program. So I loved it, and I've grown a lot. So ups and kisses. One word is transformational. That's a word that's been bandied about for decades, but in this, it is absolutely accurate. If I was to use one word. This was a great investment. It's not it's not self-help, it's self-realization. It's um, super powerful, but it, it exceeded my expectations. Or maybe it was Sharon who said that, um, uh, or maybe I'm exceeding my expectations, and I like that. I mean, the program has been hugely, a huge growth at some program. I think the journey of for myself has been amazing. I mean, I remember telling, I don't know if it was Candace or Gary, the first three or four weeks of the program, I was like, I can't stop thinking about not drinking. It's just, it's in my head. I'm ha- Every day I'm thinking about not drinking. And it's it's like now I'm not even thinking about it. You know, it's just like my life has sort of stepped on. I'm excited about the future. Um, things are looking good. Things are looking good. I just love sharing the things people are saying about our complete control program. Okay, let's get back into the episode. The next thing to talk about is stress. And I always say, do you have much stress in your life? Ha ha ha. Some people are like the duck, furiously paddling on the on the surface of the water, super calm, taking all that stress internal. And other people are very outward, like me. You know when I'm stressed. Trust me. So what we're going to do is we actually help people see their stress in data. This is incredibly powerful technology because it shows you minute by minute whether your central nervous system is in fight or flight or recovery. Now, for most people, they spend not only most of their day in fight or flight, which you know means that your organs and your brain and things like that are not really getting a chance to recover, but because they drink, they are also not getting recovery at night. And guess what that means? It means that you wake up the next day and, you know, preordained outcome, need a drink at the end of the day. Well, during this program, we're going to teach you some very simple math. A stressed out central nervous system, which does not get recovery during the day, will always require numbing in the evening. Now, you can abstain from alcohol all you want, but it will just turn into binge watching Netflix, doom scrolling social media, porn, gambling, you name it. Because a stressed out central nervous system will always require that numbing. There's a wonderful book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Stephen Covey. And in it, he has the quadrant, urgent, not urgent, important, not important. Now up here in the quadrant, well, the other side for you, probably here, up here, quadrant one, which is urgent and important, is where the most of us spend most of our time answering emails, rushing between calls, fight or flight, go, 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 release cortisol, high stress. And in the book, he shows us that if we spend all of our time here, we will always divert back to quadrant three. Quadrant three is binge-watching Netflix, doom-scrolling social media, having to take time out, distract myself, numb out with alcohol. So if we want to be leaders, if we want to show up great in the world, then we must spend even the majority of our time in not urgent but important. And guess what? That's doing this work. 
It's getting clear on your beliefs, your values, your vision, your strategy, what you're trying to do, the great thing that you're trying to achieve. When people are standing beside your graveyard, what are they going to say is the impact that you had? And this is important for us. We are purpose-driven, challenge-driven human beings. We need challenge. We need purpose. This all lines into stress beautifully. Now, the thing about stress is once you've seen this in data about how poorly you're managing your stress and that you've never been taught the true tools to deal with it, it's actually really simple. Integrating powerful techniques and tools will help you return back to recovery. For instance, the physiological sigh. One simple breath work, right? Two inhales. Long, slow exhale is one of the fastest way to bring your central nervous system back into recovery. And guess what? When you do that in the day after a busy Zoom call or a board meeting, suddenly you spend the rest of the day in recovery instead of being fight or flight, fight or flight, non-recovery. There's another thing that's really interesting from science here, and that is that recently they showed that not only does alcohol produce cortisol, which means it sends you into fight or flight, but alcohol consumption over time increases cortisol production, which means that the more you drink and the, over the longer time, the more you're reducing your ability to deal with stress. Now, if you wind forward with that, you're going to be stressed out by light change, by sound change, by pain, noise, any of those crowds. Now, do you want to spend your final years like that, triggered by these things, more stressed out by that? Do you want to be able to handle less stress in your career, in your business? Or do you want to be able to handle more stress? I recently had Dr. Rajita Sinha from Yale University on the podcast, 35 years head of addiction research at Yale University. She turned around to the board a few years ago and said, I want to change the name of the department. And they were like, what? And she said, yeah, I want to change it from head of addiction research to the um, Yale University study on stress. Because she said addiction is just the outcome. Stress is the driver. So we must do the things to mitigate that stress. Your stress goes up and down. We have different levels of stress. Food we eat can be stressful. Caffeine is stressful. Alcohol is stressful. Past traumatic experiences not dealt with is significantly stressful on the central nervous system. So we can increase our ability to deal with stress by removing some of these factors. I bet you didn't know most of this, right? Just reflect on this for a second about how much you have been thinking about changing your relationship with alcohol, how many people you've spoken to in your life, and why nobody has said this to you. This should make you angry. It makes me angry, and it makes me really passionate about the work that we are doing, because I know that we are helping people. So, after stress, let's talk about the aura ring. Now, uh, if you're watching the YouTube, I'm flashing my aura ring here, which I wear on my right-hand wedding finger. Um, the aura ring is really used as an ass kicker. Yes, I'm talking about extreme accountability. Accountability is key to behavior change. When we did all our research around this program, it's so key for accountability. So I was like, well, what's one step back from me being in the room with these people kicking their asses? And this is where we came up with the aura ring. It allows us to have a dashboard in the back and monitor all of that data. We can track sleep, exercise, meditation, breath work, and a host of other things. And those four habits are what we are primarily keeping you accountable to. Sleep. Sleep deprivation is a torture device. If sleep is, is bent out of shape, everything else is bent out of shape. In fact, sleep deprivation means that you're waking up and wading through treacle the next day. Everything is harder. So we must start there. And sleep is a skill. It's a skill that we're not taught. We need to teach ourselves sleep. So going all in on making sure we can get good sleep is absolutely critical. Next, exercise. Non-negotiable. We're going to instill in your brain a simple fact. Stanford University described exercise as a bubble bath for the brain. There are neurochemicals, neurotoxins, neurochemicals rather, in our muscles, which when we stretch or break those muscle fibers are released into our brain. They're one of the world's most powerful antidepressants. So what I need to instill in your brain is how you feel about showering your body. You're going to feel about exercising and your brain. Now, figure this out. You wouldn't go out in public after three days without having a shower. Why? Because you'd stink. Sometimes when I go to Mal, I can't be asked to shower for a while, but I'm on the Isle of Mal and I'm living rugged and I love it. 
But for the majority of us, we shower almost all the time. It regularly becomes this thing where I must clean my body. I must clean my body. So we're going to instill that in your brain. A same thing about exercise. It's a non-negotiable. And there are a few factors into there. If we don't maintain these things, we start to steer down into fuck it. And, and as we steer down, if we're not exercising, not sleeping right, not doing those things, when you get to fuck it, the gloves are off. There's no control, right? You cannot control that, that steep decline. The big fuck it button is pressed and you start to destroy your life. So this is why they are non-negotiable. We must maintain those things. And that's why we are so extreme with the accountability. Then we talk about meditation and breath work. Lots of people come on and say, well, try meditation. It doesn't work. Simple. Meditation is a massive, massive warship, a massive tool in helping people change their relationship with alcohol, any kind of behavior change. So for us, it's non-negotiable. Forget about what you think about meditation. And imagine for a second, I've told you to go and learn a very complex language like Mandarin, if you didn't know it already. And think about how you would treat yourself on that journey. You'd say, gosh, well, I mean, that's going to take me years to learn Mandarin. And then I'm going to show up and I'm going to learn a bit and I'm going to be rubbish at it. Let's apply the same thing with meditation. Why do we expect ourselves to be really good at it from the get-go? Forget that, right? Have compassion. All you have to do is practice. You're going to put the headphones in, press play, and you're going to do that hundreds of times before you're even going to start to be able to speak a few words of the language, okay? When you treat it like that and you stretch out the journey and you go all in, it will change your life. And then breath work, as we talked about, the physiological side, tools like that to calm down the central nervous system. We have to calm down this stress or getting to a place where we need to numb out is going to a preordained outcome. Let's not get there. Let's calm this thing down. I've got a wonderful analogy that I share with people. Okay. Imagine for a second those little car toys that have like a little dynamo in them. And when you push them, you push, 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 they shoot off because they can, can, they can gather that energy up over time. Well, that's you and your central nervous system every day. Okay, you come in and you start to drink some coffee, go to stressful meetings, and you keep pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing. Now, what happens is you get home at the end of the day, and that's the first time you put the car down, and you're expecting to switch off. But guess what the car does? Oh, shoots off into the distance a million miles an hour. And that you, how can you calm down? That's why you need a drink to take the edge off. So what we're going to teach you in this program is that if you just do something very simple, that when you're pushing and winding up that central nervous system, just pause at the top, just for a second or two. Allow the dynamo to get its energy out and then push it again, and then push it again, and then push it again. And then when you get to the end of the day, that dynamo is just going to put it down and the car will go, and you go to bed, fall asleep beautifully. We must calm down our central nervous system. There are a few factors into here because our past experiences and trauma can create a dysregulated nervous system. And if you don't change that, if you don't do the work to, to mitigate a dysregulated nervous system, then desiring significant numbing and compulsive behavior will always be there for you. And that's getting towards addiction where you'll just swap alcohol and find something else. But we know you can do the work and change that. Okay, so those are really the four non-negotiables in there. And next, we start to look at those psychological areas. Relationships, bent out of shape, relationships will drive compulsive behavior. Connection. If everyone around us drinks like a fish, then when we choose to drink less or not drink, we will become more disconnected from the people we love. Well, guess what? You cannot be disconnected. Human beings, unless you're a sociopath, will not stay disconnected. So therefore, you'll always come back into drinking, which is, I'm sorry to say, one of the journeys we all must go on is we must create a group of like-minded people who are living how we want to live. That doesn't mean you need to get rid of all of your friends, but it does mean you need to shake it up a little bit. It means you need some social events where people are choosing not to drink or drink less. It means you need to hang out with some people who are living how you want to live. And that's one of the reasons why we create such a powerful group. We create a group of business leaders, executives, high achievers, a group where People are not talking about waking up in the morning and pouring whiskey on their cornflakes. No. What they're talking about is, I want to double my business this year. I want to be more present with my kids. I want to improve my marriage and make it so that we're more in love than we ever were. I want longevity. I want peak performance. I want optimal health. 
And in order to achieve those things, I know I need to drink less alcohol. And so that is an incredibly powerful, inclusive, inspiring community. It's more like a mastermind than it is just some kind of random community. So it's very, very powerful. I always say this, that we were looking back over research and we found a study looking back over 30 years of a health intervention that were more likely to have impact uh, on an individual. And they found one outlier. When you take a group of like-minded people through a program at the same time, they're more likely to have impact and for that impact to last longer. So that's why we curate a group. It's hugely powerful. Even if you don't like the group element, switch your camera off, change the name, it's fine. You being in that room and you hearing some people talk about their lives just like yours, that is what creates connection. That's what allows you to go out into the big wide world out there of people who drink like fish and have got no interest in changing their relationship with alcohol publicly and yet still not drink. So it's important to build those connections. Okay, and then the various other areas like understanding our ego, our, our emotional regulation, continuing to find calm, etc. What we do is take people on this incredible journey using data, technology, evidence, and some really cool coaching tools and various modalities, meditation, hypnotherapy, breath work, the things that science is showing helps people reduce compulsive behavior significantly. Imagine for a second that we kind of wheel in a warship, right? There are many guns on this that can help win this war. It's just that we're going to go to town and use them all to make significant change in a short period of time. I'm talking eight weeks for a life-transforming experience. We are really aiming for profoundly life-changing, and we hear that a lot from people. People who have already tried to stop drinking before or done ch or even our challenges before. And then yet they come on this program and they discover things. Luke said to us, you can't unlearn the things you learn in complete control. And we've had people from all walks of life. You know, um, I can think of one chap, Don, who's an ex-NFL player, you know, hugely successful private equity business. And he's like, Ruri, I can stop drinking for a year, no problem. That's not my issue. But when I do drink, it's like I won the Super Bowl and I'm gone for three days. And I just can't afford that. And he came on our program and he's like six months later messaging me like, now I just, you know, went to a huge family event where I was normally massively triggered. And instead now I just had one evening where I had a few beers with my brothers and cut it off at midnight. And control for him is so much more powerful. And then Kevin is another example, right? Three times to the Priory, daily heavy drinker. You know, you'd say he's not right for that program and you're selling ice to Eskimos. Well, that's not true. He flew out to Mallorca almost a year later. And he's like mostly not drinking. He's like, I just don't want to. It's just not in the in my cognitive desire to have a drink now. So we know we're doing an incredible thing. And I think we're challenging the norms here of who should go where? Are you this or are you that? And I just want to say to you, I don't know whether you are this or you are that. But why not come through a program which will help you understand with clarity all of the things that drive compulsive behavior? and coach you to change them, to give you the best possible chance at being powerful, at making changes in your life in the shortest period of time. And when we talk about the shortest period of time, many people try and go and figure this out themselves. And yes, it's possible. I produce tons and tons of resources around the science that we take people on here. But is that going to happen? Like when you look at the amount of books you've read, how much of those books have you applied? How much of those podcasts have you applied? Now, this program guarantees that you don't spend time trying to figure this out. We shorten down the time required for you to do it so that you can get to the bottom of this in the fastest way possible. And I don't know about you, but we have a very finite resource in our life and it's time. Would you rather spend another year and another year and another year trying to figure this out? Or is it time for you to finally figure it out? Make those changes in your life and build the best version of yourself. That's what we want to do here. Okay. Well, that's kind of the journey I take people on when I speak to them. I hope that's been interesting and reflective for you. I hope that stirred some insight and interest. If it's made you think, you know what, maybe this complete control thing is for me, then reach out to the team. Email us, info at oneyearnobeer.com. Hit us up on social media. I believe with all of my heart and soul that this program is profoundly life-changing for people. It, it is what we should be doing for everyone before rehab, before they go into all of those things. Let's put them through this and help them 
make the changes that they can in their lives. I appreciate it's not for everyone. Unfortunately, I can't do 24-hour monitoring, send technological devices for free. I wish we were sponsored by the government. I wish more health insurers were helping us. I wish more corporates were paying for it. We're working on all of that stuff, and we will be, so that we can bring this to more people. So that is what we're up to here at One Year No Beer, focused on complete control. I will say that we have the wonderful episode coming out on Rich Roll podcast on the 8th. I'm so excited to see this go live. Um, I loved speaking to Rich Roll, and I loved the fact that he is... He is very 12-step recovery, and yet he was willing to have this conversation with me, and I think it's so important, and just a massive shout-out to Rich Roll for having us back on the podcast. There are a few other big podcasts coming, so I'd appreciate you sharing this message, share this podcast, share the ones that are coming out there. You never know who is on your friends list who is quietly just ignoring the truth, because that's what society does, but got this gnawing in the back of their mind that alcohol is causing me more trouble than they realize, and it is. This year's going to be an amazing year for us. I hope it's going to be an amazing year for you. We're here to support you in every way. Of course, it's not just complete control. There are challenges. There's Challenge Plus, which is an incredible program with group Zooms to support you. There are lots of other coaching tools and things like that available. If you need any support, just reach out to us. The team is always here. If it's another year alcohol-free for you, you're amazing. Thank you for being a part of OYMB, and I hope 2024 is an incredible year for you. Thank you. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the aging process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford, and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.